welcome what is good philadelphia how we feeling welcome 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 if you're reading the title of this episode it is called talk dash and it is an honor of Furcon. wow Furcon Korkmaz. let's get the name right y'all who had a career night against the grizzlies 34 freaking points in 29 minutes Furcon, this is an appreciation episode for you, my dog. Anyway, welcome everybody. This is episode number 32 called Talk Dash of Sports and Stilettos Podcast. I am your host, Breezy, and welcome back. We're still in the offseason of the NFL. I hate it here. <laughs> um, but we had an epic showing of the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Grizzlies last night, and it was incredible. Now, I have I have been tweeting about how the Sixers really need to get it together. While last night was a fantastic win, a convincing win, we need to take that energy on the road. And that's what this episode is going to be about today. So get your popcorn ready because we're about to dive into this thing right now. There's there's no, no sugar coat in it, okay? The Sixers won last night, but there are still major, major, major issues with this team. Major issues. And we saw it during the last four-game um, road trip that they were on. They didn't win not one game. Not one. And that, to me, is a big, big, big um, coaching problem. While everybody says, oh, it's not Brett Brown's fault, or some people say it's not Brett Brown's fault. Some people say, oh, you know, Brett really doesn't have any control over the way his players play, blah, 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 blah. But they can put, he can put them in the best position possible to win, which means doing his part and getting the right people out on the floor when they need to be out on the floor, Period. This isn't football. You don't have to you don't have to come up with schemes and things like that, but you should have a couple of plays against every team depending on what that team does well or doesn't do well and exploit it with the team that you have. It's not that difficult. You know, Brett Brown's been doing this for years. You know, he was here at the start of the process. He was we went through the process. We went through tanking. We went through winning. We we did all of that. And now all we're asking him to do is be a coach, put his foot in somebody's behind, because that's, it's clearly it's not happening right now. And I, I, I really just need him to, to focus and get it together. I, I don't need the whole, I don't need all of this, um, oh, let's, let's break the, the, um, the season into quarters and let's evaluate this and let's evaluate that and whatever whatever I don't need all that I don't just 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 play the games I he you know what when Brett Brown at the beginning of the season was asked for his expectations of this team he said number one seed that to me in hindsight is literally exactly what happened with the Eagles when Doug Peterson pretty much guaranteed a win in Dallas 
And what did that when what happened? They ended up getting their butts handed to them on a silver platter. It was the worst game of that entire season. As long as you can play a game without any expectations, I feel like that is a weight lifted off of an athlete's shoulder to the fullest. And for some reason, (laughs) us as fans, we can put expectations on the players. Players don't really listen to us. You know, like we, we speculate, we talk our stuff, whatever, whatever. But when a coach puts that kind of expectation on his players, I feel like it's uh, I don't want to say it becomes a distraction, but it's a very, very heavy burden when you can't live up to the hype. Very heavy. And I think that's what the Sixers team is starting to realize. As long as they don't have expectations, then they can play freely. They can play carefree basketball. I mean, that's just my opinion. I could be very wrong, but you know, whatever. Anyway, so back to the struggles of this team. Locker room issues. Well, I say locker room issues as quote-unquote locker room issues. (laughs) Um, There have been a lot of reports over the last, what, two or three weeks saying players aren't listening to Brett Brown. There's chemistry issues between the players. There's, um, there was the Ben and Joel uh, don't like each other kind of thing. Like, what? That, that, see... That part doesn't even make sense to me. So, what's his name? Uh, Chris Bosch, Bossard, Bossard, whatever his last name is. He's a fool. Okay, he's a fool. And the fact that he keeps coming out saying stupid things like this, he did this exact same thing with the Eagles. And I just, I can't. I'm done. I'm done with Chris. I need him to stop speaking on Philadelphia sports. Done. Um... The notion, again, that Joel is not having fun. He's not playing carefree. He is restricted to a certain extent. He is trying to be mature, but that's not his game. That's not something that gets him motivated. That's not something that gets him fueled up and gassed up for a game. That is an issue because now he's slow. He is playing uninspired basketball. He's quote unquote not fitting in. How are you not fitting into a team that you've played with for three years now? How? All you have to do is go out there and be dominant. That's it. But we're gonna get we're gonna get into Joel um, a little bit later on because I have I have a slew of things that I need to get off my chest about him. Um, and then another big thing that I thought was a little crazy was. The, the, the team either calling themselves soft or saying to the media that they were playing soft. And, and then Charles Barkley coming out and, and saying that they're the softest team in the league. The Cleveland Browns of the NBA. Like, I get it. You hear national media speaking about your team and the way that you play and all of that stuff. And it's supposed to get you mad. It's supposed to get you juiced up. It's supposed to put a little fire under your butt so you could go out there and prove everybody wrong. But the Sixers did not do that. They got blown out by Milwaukee on Thursday night. That was probably the most embarrassing game besides, I mean, probably the most embarrassing game that I've seen them play besides when they lost to Orlando and then getting blown out by 30 points against Miami. 
I don't, I don't even think they realized that they had a game the, the day after the Super Bowl. Honestly. It was ridiculous. And then, um, you know, that, that stuff just, it just, it really bothers me. It rubs me the wrong way. And, and I, you guys know, I say the same exact thing about the Philadelphia Eagles. The, the adversity, the, um, mole in the locker room, this anonymous source kind of thing. You're, you're hearing it directly from the players with the Sixers. Yes, they have some issues that they're still working on. And I don't want to keep calling it issues because it's not an issue. It is a, a growing pain, if you will. Every team has growing pains. And then they just acquired two new players? I... <sighs> anyway. Um, yeah, so a lot to cover today. A whole lot. So anyway... Um, we're going to get into players only meetings, um, a new leader within the locker room, and then the road versus home record. It is absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I, I don't know what is causing this. I don't know why the players play the way that they do at home versus when they're away, but it is the most disgusting stat I have ever seen in my life. Disgusting. When they go on the road, they are making these below 500 teams look like all-star players and all-star teams. That is an issue for me. It's ridiculous. But anyway, let, let's get back to the positive here. A win is a win. In my book, a win is a win. I am happy that the Sixers came back, came back home, got this win, won convincingly. They now hold the fifth seed in the conference um, below the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and the Heat. So I'm happy they kind of moved out of that sixth seed because I was a little scared. They were sitting there for a while, and I was a little scared. Um, but they also held John ja Morant to 15 points, and they forced four turnovers just from him last night. I thought that... The, uh, the coverage on him was fantastic. They played him perfectly. And, and we're talking about leader for rookie of the year. Okay? Held him to 15 points. I think that's, I think that's great. I think that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a green check mark in my book. Okay? But let's get to the star of the freaking show here. Okay? Star of the show. Number 30, Mr. Furkan Korkmaz. Okay? We got... A.K.A. Furky. Okay? That, that's, that's my nickname for him. Career night last night. You heard, me, uh, you heard me speak of his points before. 29 minutes, 34 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. He was 13 of 17 from the field and was 7 of 9 from 3. That is absolutely incredible. It's incredible. The Sixers did a really, really good job of riding the hot hand last night with Furk and and really giving him a chance to just, just continue to thrive and continue to be hot and score as much as possible. Every single time he got a free look or an open look, he was draining them. 
It was beautiful to watch. Beautiful to watch. We need to see that more often, and not just from Furcon, but from the entire bench. From the entire bench. And another question that I have. So Shake Milton has been getting the start um, pretty much since Josh Richardson went down. But, I mean, would anybody be opposed to starting Furcon in that position instead of Shake Milton? I don't see anything wrong with it. I really don't. Um, I think I read a stat. I forget who tweeted it out. I apologize. But um, the Sixers are 7-1 seven, seven and one or 7-2 and two when Furkan Korkmaz has 17-plus points in a game. I think that's amazing. You know, and then you have, you have those great stats from Matisse Seibel. Uh, it, it, it's... This is what we need from our bench. And even if those bench players, you know, slide into the starting lineup because of injury or or rest or whatever the case is, then they need to show up and show out. And that's exactly what these bench players have been doing. So I don't know, maybe maybe Brett Brown makes a little bit of a, a starting lineup change for Sunday night's game and he throws Furcon in, in the mix and instead of Shake Milton. You never know. You never know. But I would not be opposed to that. I wouldn't. I really, I really would like to see what Furcon would look like getting at least 30 minutes a game um, and starting instead of coming off the bench and doing thir- or 29 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, I, think, I think that'll be good for his confidence. It's not like he's lacking any of it. Jeez. I mean, he, he was he was incredible last night. And I can't say that enough. But <laughs> let's 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 go to the kind of sort of downward spiral of, of what is Joel Embiid. I I've never been a huge fan of, of big men, right? Because I feel like you're just you're there, you're just big. All you gotta do is is post up and dunk. You really got one job. It is what it is. But after having watched uh, baseball, or wow, I don't watch baseball. Anyway, after watching basketball and and trying to understand the sport the way that I do with football, um, I feel like big men, in order for them to perform the way that they need to perform, a lot of it comes down to health and being comfortable on the court which means and I I, I've I've mentioned this before but it means that if your big man is not a hundred percent there's going to be a problem if your big man is not doing the things that make him feel comfortable and give him confidence out on the court there's going to be a problem right now Joella Embiid is experiencing both of those at the same time big 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 issue very big issue. So he left the game last night at halftime because he had neck stiffness. That's what we're, that was what is being reported to the media. Um, I think just from watching the first half, I think that he was throwing a hissy fit and he decided not to return. So they blame it on neck stiffness. You know, that, that obviously that's just speculation, but 
you know, you see the way Joel Embiid can be when he is dominant, when he is locked in 100%, when he trash talks, when he does, when he gets the crowd involved in a game. You see how much that can change the momentum and the direction of how this team wins games. We saw it last year. We saw it at the beginning of this year. But we're also in the same place that we were at this point last year with Joel Embiid. All of a sudden, here come the injuries right before the All-Star game. And God forbid, this man plays in the All-Star game, ends up getting hurt, and now he's out again for another two weeks. You know, like it, there's there's no there's no rhyme or reason for for why he is the way that he is. There isn't. And it 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 it, it gives me a lot of concern for him going forward. How long is he going to be able to last in the league? He was supposed to be in the best shape of his career coming into this season. And look where we are. It's a 2018 repeat. Now I'm going to give you guys some dates, right? So February 9th, 2019, he was out with an illness. Very next week was the All-Star break. Played in the All-Star game. Came back. And uh, February 20th, out with a left knee soreness issue. Then skip down to March. March 18th, he was resting. March 29th, he was resting. Then you get to April. And this is this is really where a bulk of the issues for me are coming from. 4-2, he was on load management. 4-5, knee soreness. 4-8, 4-14, 4-18, all out with knee soreness. That was the time that we needed Joel Embiid the most last year because we were making that playoff push. And it concerns me because now we are literally at February 8th and what is happening? Joel Embiid is not playing. If he doesn't play against the Bulls, this I, I, I'm going to have flashbacks and I'm not going to be a very happy person. We're sitting here at February 8th. Joel Embiid has now broken his finger, had to get surgery on, on a ligament in his finger. He's playing with a cast on. He His hand was swollen after the Bucks game. And, you know, he brushes off it. Yeah, it's fine. The only issue I have with it is when I'm trying to rebound. Then why is he playing? If an issue is is if an issue is coming to where it is affecting the way that he is supposed to be great, then he does not need to play in the game. Period. Period. Now he's out, out with neck stiffness. How long is this neck stiffness thing going to last? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's frustrating because we're literally watching 2018 happen again. This is, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So... I was having a conversation with um, 
uh, one of my one of my followers this morning, pretty early this morning, and t- you know talking about Joel Embiid and things like that. And he mentioned to me that it seems like Joel Embiid is playing uninspired basketball. He's he's obviously not having fun anymore, and it's an issue. It's damaging his game. It's putting him into a slump, and. And, and, and then the, it gets blown out of proportion with the national media. So I did some digging, right? Wanted to see how, lo- how far back I could go to see, um, you know, when this whole I'm not having fun thing started for Joel. So I found a column written by Justin, sorry if I say his last name wrong, Grasso. Um, he wrote a column with Sports Illustrated on December 11th, 2019. Okay, we're in February. Um, and pretty much like throughout the article talks about how Joel Embiid is not trash talking anymore. Social media antics are frowned upon and, you know, he feels like he's not good enough. So I'm going to read a quote says, and this is from Joel Embiid. I haven't been having fun. It goes back to being mature. One of the biggest parts of my game is just having fun. By having fun means talking trash, but that part of my game has been cut. So I need to just be myself and I guess do whatever I want because when I'm having fun, I dominate. To me, this sounds like a very confused NBA player on what he is able to do to get himself going where it doesn't piss everybody else off. I, I don't even know if there's anyone that can actually help JoJo get back to being dominant. I don't. Obviously, Brett Brown is not, is, is not getting the job done. He's not. But since he is the coach, how, how do you get Joel Embiid to perform at the level that he needs to without changing who he is if 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 I meet someone and I'm like okay I'm digging them you know they like sports I like sports they're maybe a little more opinionated about sports than I am or they you know they like a sports team that I don't like if I tell them the only way that you can date me is if you tone down your opinions about about sports when when you're talking to me or we can't sit and watch a game when your team is playing my team or like if there are stipulations that come with making a person comfortable you shouldn't be around that person you shouldn't it's like any other relationship yes people have flaws yes there are things that people are going to do that may rub you the wrong way but it makes them who they are it makes them attractive to you because if they weren't attractive to you, you wouldn't be friends with them. You wouldn't have some kind of relationship with them. And to me, it seems like the relationship between Brett Brown and Joel Embiid is now damaged. And I don't know how, 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 how else I can even put that. But... There was also um, 
sorry to like switch gears, but I'm, I'm going to come right back to Joel. There was also a report. Um, do, 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 do. There was a report that, oh, sorry. A report by Matt Mullen of the Philly Voice that there was a players only meeting, I believe prior to the Bucks game, Thursday night. And um, lo and behold, the leader of that meeting was Josh Richardson. I think that Josh Richardson is probably the perfect person to be that voice in the locker room for this Sixers team because clearly Joel Embiid is not going to do it because he's going through some issues right now. Ben Simmons is not going to do it because I, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have that. I, I feel like he has that leadership ability, but it only translates to being on the court, which is fine. That's fine. I thought it was going to be Tobias Harris because he seems like a very uh, like a bigger leader than than anything because of the things that we've seen him do on and off the court. Um, and then I also had a, uh, I thought that maybe it was going to be Al Horford, you know, Uncle Al, soccer dad Al, like whatever you want to call him, like he's the dad of this team. And the fact that none of those players stepped up and it's Josh Richardson, that goes to show that Josh Richardson is now comfortable within the locker room. He's not technically the the um, the new guy anymore. He doesn't feel um, restricted in calling someone out or telling somebody about themselves or offering suggestions on how this team can get better. I am all for Josh Richardson being that voice in the locker room. I am all for it 100,000%. Count me in. If I got to sign a petition, I will sign the petition in a heartbeat. I think this is fantastic. He is a veteran. I think Joel Embiid can learn a lot from him. And, and just kind of trying to find a balance between being yourself and not pissing everybody off. I want to see Joel Embiid go out there and have fun. I want to see Joel Embiid go out there and dominate and and shimmy and raise the roof and, and, and do all of that stuff that we love seeing him do. But it's been a drought. He's flopping all over the place. He's crying about fouls not being called. And I get it. Some of the fouls were missed. The rest were not really that great but you know what as a professional athlete in general you need to suck that up and go and and go make a play the next time short-term memory is a must and Joel Embiid doesn't have short-term memory or a short-term memory loss whatever you want to call it he, he he lingers on things he holds on to things and that is not good for someone who needs to develop a little bit more. You know, his stats haven't been horrible. They haven't been horrendous, but they also haven't been dominant. So I need happy JoJo back. I need exciting JoJo back. I need shimmy JoJo. I need Joel to go out there and play the game that he has loved to play since he watched Kobe Bryant and got into basketball. That's what I need. So Joel Embiid, if you ever listen to this, I'm on your side, but I need you to get better. 
I need you to smile. I need you to have fun. Okay? Sixers fans don't like to boo the home team? No. We don't like doing that. We're critical. Yes. We expect a lot. Yes. But it's up to you to get it done. Despite the rest. Despite whatever else is going on. And if you're not healthy, damn it, stay out of the game. And that goes for everybody. I'm happy about what they did with Josh Richardson coming off of the hamstring injury. They didn't have him start. They had him coming off the bench. And I thought he was very rusty because he hasn't played. But he was fine. He was fine. I think they need to sit Joel Embiid, let this hand really heal, get this neck stiffness thing cleared and out of the way and go from there. Do I think he should play in the All-Star game? Hell no. I don't. I'm glad that he's an All-Star. I really am. But I don't think he should play in it. Because if we're going to make a playoff push and we're going to be dominant down the stretch, then I need Joel Embiid every single night for the next two months. And if he plays in that all-star game and he gets hurt, we are not going to have that. And it's going to be irritating to watch. Mark my words right now. I just want him healthy. That's it. That's it. So anyway, (laughs) now that I've got all of that frustration out, let's switch gears and we're going to move over to the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you've been paying attention over the last week or so, the Philadelphia Eagles have done a ton of coaching hires, coaching changes, adding to people's titles, whatever you want to call it. And honestly, when all of this was happening, I was so confused. I I didn't even know what to do. I didn't. Not going to (laughs) lie. I think it it just it, it doesn't it didn't make any sense to me at the time. So. Uh, Really quick, if you haven't heard already, I'm sure everybody has. Press Taylor is now, he had another title added to his first title, and he is now passing game coordinator. Um, Which apparently is not that rare, because there is also a run game coordinator in Stoutland. So, okay, I get it cool they also let go of their director of sports medicine for the team for the third year in a row and brought in tom i'm probably gonna say his last name wrong tom hunkle hunkley something like that um this is actually his second time in philadelphia he was here from 2000 to 2005 um and then spent 14 seasons with the vikings he, um, I know some people are a little hesitant in having someone who used to be here leave and then come back again. Um, I don't see an issue with it, you know, but you know, sometimes second time is a charm. You know, you never know. You never know until we, it's actually a problem. So one thing that I did find really interesting is that he was 2019 assistant athletic trainer of the year for the NFC and then in 2017 with the Vikings he was the uh he was part of the athletic training staff of the year 
If you remember, 2017, the Vikings went faced the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. Hell of a medical staff, if you ask me. So, I'm I'm willing to give Tom the benefit of the, uh, the benefit of the doubt that he can come in here and really, uh, or hopefully, get this team to a point where we're not seeing players drop like flies every single week. You never know. You never know. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, like I said. Um, another hire, uh, new director of player personnel, uh, Jeremiah Washburn. He was with um, a little background on him, actually. Um, he was football uh, part of football operations with Carolina in 2002. He was a personal or personnel assistant with the Rams or uh, sorry, the Ravens, can't even read my own writing here, Jesus, um, personnel assistant with the Ravens from 2003 to 2004, and then he was an area scout with the Ravens as well, 2005 to 2008, um, fresh set of eyes to go with Howie down to the combine and, and really get a good feel of who we need to bring into this organization. You know, outside eyes. Joe Douglas, I I thought he did really well when he was here. He's now with the Jets. Fine. No harm, no foul. But the Eagles really needed an outside source to come in and help um, Howie Roseman with making sure that we draft the right players for this team. (sighs) Now, here's here's the here are the three hires that. I really still do not understand. I really still, even though I've talked to people about it, I still don't fully grasp why. But you know, we'll just—I guess we're—we're we're just winging it. So, um, a few weeks ago, Connor Barn was announced as being the assistant, or sorry, special assistant to the general manager. A lot of people joked around and said he would just be the person going and getting uh, Howie Roseman coffee, bringing in the popcorn fetching the ice cream after practice you know it I I really don't know what a special assistant to a GM does um a lot of people were saying that he um he'll assist with scouting and things like that which I'm okay with I'm okay with that fine okay but then you got Brent Selleck and Darren Sproles both bring that both being brought back and being labeled as personnel consultants now, my initial reaction to all of this was Brent Selleck is going to be a consultant for the tight end room. He will assist coaches. He will be there for practice. He will be there after practice, additional reps for the players, making sure that the tight end room is ready to go anytime their number is called. I am 1000% okay with that. Brent Selleck is one of my favorite Eagles. I love that man. I am so happy that he actually is back. I'm just a little unsure of what he's going to be doing. So um, maybe Doug Peterson will go into detail about that whenever he has media availability or, uh, you know, closer to the actual start of the 2020 season. So I will, um, I'll be looking out for that. And the same with Darren Sproles. He announced his retirement at the end of the year and now he's being brought back in as a personnel consultant. So I feel like he's going to kind of be um, Deuce Staley's like uh, right-hand man. 
you know, he'll, he'll be in the running back room. He will be available to the players if they need extra reps, you know, just really, um, a mentor kind of person. And, and it's someone that they already trust, which is why I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with these hires. I I really just don't know what they're going to be doing. So, um, I thought those were, were pretty good. Um, additions to the front office coaching staff, whatever you want to say. Um, but a lot of people are also a little concerned that there is no offensive coordinator. But do we really need one? I said in the last episode that the Eagles, the way that they have handled this offensive coordinator position and knowing the way Doug Peterson runs this team, is there really a need for one? And clearly the Eagles say no, there's not because Doug makes all the play calling or Doug does all the play calling. So the fact that we now have no offensive coordinator and it's really going to be by committee with his assistants and, and special people and, and all of that, I think this is good. This eliminates he said, she said stuff, other people's opinions, people getting things wrong in press conferences when questioned by the media. There, there is no fall guy. It's Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson is the guy. He is the fall guy. He is the one who's going to be taking all of the accountability when things go right when things go wrong you know obviously he's going to have outside help like I said with the assistance and things like that but you know there there was a lot of he said she said stuff that we've seen over the last few years and you know Doug sometimes got caught in a pickle there's no more of that it's him (laughs) that's it just him so I'm, I'm a little anxious to see how this is going to go. Um, I don't foresee any like real issues. I don't think that it's going to be that big of a problem. I just think it's something that this city is not used to. But that's okay. That's okay. We'll get used to it real quick once the Eagles start winning. <laughs> I, I mean, it's as simple as that. There's no, there's no other way to really, to really say it. Um, so if you follow me, (laughs) if you follow me on Twitter, I complain about the NFL not being here yet and, and really just disliking the off season because it's annoying. There's not much very, not much really going on, um, really until free agency starts or the combine starts and things like that. So I decided to give you some dates to mark on your calendars. If you're like me, I already have all of these written down, so do not judge me. But I wanted to share this with you guys if you don't already have it. So February 24th to March 2nd, that is the NFL Scouting Combine. That is the the place where we get to really watch um, all of these NFL prospects come into one place and really get to see them through drills and things like that. I love watching the Combine. Um, it really makes it helps me get a feel on, um, you know, prepping for the draft and and putting my opinions out there on the draft um my awesome 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 uh I guess he's part of my Twitter fam or Eagles Twitter family um Chris he is uh absolutely amazing at at these um draft analysis so um if you get a chance follow him 
Um, I believe his Twitter handle is, let me, let me actually just get it so that I don't mess anything up. Um, bear with me one second. Okay. So his Twitter handle is Maylee, M-A-L-L-E-E underscore Chris, C-H-R-I-S underscore 24. Follow him and he will give you literally every ounce of detail that you could possibly dig up on any NFL um, prospect for the upcoming draft. He also does, you know, draft boards, things like that. So um, I'm anxious to see how how he interprets the uh, the combine when that comes. Next date, February 25th. People can start franchise tagging people or putting those offers out on the table. They have until March 10th to get those franchise tags signed. So should be very interesting. There's a lot of chatter right now that the Dallas Cowboys might franchise tag either Dak Prescott or Omari Cooper, which obviously is not something that either one of these players want. So it will be very, very interesting to see what happens February 25th and the things that come out um, to us in the public. March 16th through the 18th, that's when negotiations start going. Um, or start going into effect where um, teams can talk to um, agents about negotiating contracts, things like that. And then the highlight of my year, March 18th, people, official start of the 2020-2021 NFL season. Free agent signing starts at 1 o'clock that day. And uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be great. You're gonna see smiles, you're gonna see tweets, you're gonna see all of that stuff for me because I have been waiting, been waiting since January to get this going. I'm excited. Um, April 11th is when the NFL schedule is supposed to be released, give or take a day or two. They always, they never tell you the exact date. It just kind of pops up on your on your phone one day, you know? Um, April 20th, off-season workout programs start this is only for teams that have um i believe that only have uh, head coaches returning so any new hire coaches i don't i don't know for a fact if that applies to them or not but anyway off-season workout programs start that day april 23rd nfl draft yay three or four days of just non-stop craziness and I will inject that into my blood any day of the week. But anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on to May. May 1st through the 4th or May 8th through the 11th. A um, optional, teams have the option of doing this. Three-day uh, rookie minicamp starts. So um, I think the Eagles have done that every single year. So I don't expect that to change. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Mid-July, training camp starts. August 6th, Hall of Fame game, real NFL action. It's like the the preseason game nobody ever wants to play in. Um, so I'm I, I don't I don't think that the um, I, don't, I can't remember if the Eagles ever played in a Hall of Fame game. I hope that doesn't change this year because I really don't want them playing five weeks. So um, <laughs> yeah, uh, September 5th roster has to be reduced to 53. And then you have week one of the 2020 NFL football season, September 10th, Thursday night game, 
and then 13th and 14th that weekend. I am super excited. I cannot wait. It's been a long time coming, aka it's only been like a couple of weeks, but we're not, we're not going to talk about that. So that concludes episode 32. Talk that sh- in honor of Furkan Korkmaz's uh, career night against the Grizzlies. Uh, 34 points in 29 minutes. It was absolutely insane to watch. You can follow me on Twitter at your host underscore breezy. You can follow me on Instagram at sports and stilettos podcast. Um, you can find the show obviously, uh, on any podcasting platform, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, anchor breaker, uh, overcast radio public and pocket cast available on all platforms. Make sure you like rate review and subscribe to the show. Let me know what you guys think of this episode. And until next time, y'all. Oh, if you follow me on Twitter, you already know I will be at the Sixers game tomorrow night. Sixers versus Bulls. Um, If you see me, say hi. Don't be a creep. And inbox me later and be like, oh, hey, I saw you. I will probably not have my glasses on. I'm letting you guys know now. I probably will not have my glasses on. I do not see very far with my glasses off. Okay? I'm nearsighted. So if you see me, speak. Don't be no creeper. All right? Anyway, until next time, y'all, peace and love.